Welcome here to our midweek service at Calvary Baptist Church of Prehern. Also welcome those in tune with us via internet and FM signal here in town. Uh, please open your hymnals on number 176. 176. Break thou the bread of life. 176. thankful again that we have thy word we're thankful that we can open thy word and we can study thy word and we can be encouraged through thy word and also for those that are lost can be challenged to repent and be saved through thy word we thank you that thou hast been so gracious to preserve thy word as the psalmist says from this generation and forever we pray that each one listening today would have their bibles ready and be willing to follow along as we get into our study later on pray for anyone listening that's not saved that they might see the need to repent and be saved we do pray for our our 
internet, our website, as well as our sermon audio. Pray that people would find us and we could be a help to them, encouragement to them to know thy peace and blessing. Pray for our blog that it would also work well and we could be a help to people in these days of grace. We look forward to the soon return of thy son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray for our governments that, that we might be able to help some of them to see the need to be saved. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem, that souls will be saved in that country. Pray for the soldiers as they put themselves in harm's way and are seeking to uh, protect their own land. <clears throat> and we pray that they might see the need to know thee and realize that true peace comes from knowing the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior. And we pray also for the situation in Ukraine, that uh, the Christians there and in Russia would be faithful to thee and be able to help others to know thy peace and blessing. We thank thee that we can serve thee, the true God, and we pray that thy will be accomplished here tonight. We pray in Jesus' name. Over to 218, 218, burdens are lifted at Calvary, number 218. Fifty-five. 
blessed assurance. Number 255. turn to Ezekiel chapter 9 and while you're doing that just want to remind those that are listening online that <clears throat> we do have a daily devotional that we put out on our website you can go to our website and find it there you can also find it on sermon audio and we encourage you to read those and let others know as well <clears throat> we're seeking to help people to see the importance of God's truth and that's why we put that out there and it's no cost to anyone to listen to that or to read it and to consider what the word of God has to say we're in Ezekiel chapter 9 and we're looking at verses 8 to 11 and uh, 
will stand please for the reading of God's word. Ezekiel chapter 9, beginning there at verse 8, it says there, And it came to pass, while they were slaying them, and I was left, that I fell upon my face and cried, and said, Ah, Lord God, wilt thou destroy all the residue of Israel in thy pouring out of thy fury upon Jerusalem? Then said he unto me, The iniquity of the house of Israel and Judah is exceeding great, and the land is full of blood, and the city full of perverseness. For they say, The Lord hath forsaken the earth, and the Lord seeth not. And as for me also, mine eye shall not spare, neither will I have pity, but I will recompense their way upon their head. And behold, the man clothed with linen, which had the inkhorn by his side, reported the matter, saying, I have done as thou hast commanded me. Our Heavenly Father, we're thankful that we have thy word, thankful for the truthfulness of thy word, the opportunity that we have to read thy word and consider the truth and to realize that we have a God who is righteous and is just, a God who has provided salvation for mankind, a God also who will hold us accountable for the truth. And how important it is, not just for the Jews, but for Gentiles as well, that we listen to thee, that we see the importance of thy salvation Trust in the blood of thy Son alone to save us. Know thy peace and blessing, and then serve thee faithfully. We thank thee for providing us with thy word. We thank thee for the opportunity we have of gathering together here. And we thank thee also for the opportunity we have of broadcasting into other countries. And so we pray that thy will be accomplished. May we glorify thee. And may thy will be accomplished in each one that's listening. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> the title of the message this evening <clears throat> is that God's judgment must be done. God's judgment must be done. God is the God of justice. The silence that is deafening at this time is not unnoticed by God. The silence from pulpits against the truth is deafening. It's shameful when pastors who are supposed to be students of God's word, supposed to be faithful in teaching the word of God to the people that God sends their way, but yet so often today they're quiet when it comes to matters of importance. There's a lot of uh, skirting around and skipping over the truth today in many pulpits because of the fear of losing people. Money is more important than truth, and we need to be speaking up on the issues that are facing us in our daily lives 
because God's word has the answer. And as we look at our country of Canada and we look at the wickedness in our governments on all levels, it's important for pastors to be teaching the truth, the whole counsel of God, so that their people can know how to stand and that others as well can see the importance of truth. In our devotionals, we, in the book of Romans, we have warned several times, and we have in other times as well, of the dangers of Calvinism. And the book of Romans refutes Calvinism and shows us that salvation is available to all people, but salvation is only through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. A person must turn to God in repentance and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ in order to be saved. There is no other way of salvation. And God's salvation is available for all people. And it is important for people to, I know when I was a young person, I didn't know anything about Calvinism. It was around, but I didn't know anything about it, was never taught anything about it. I don't remember hearing much about Calvinism even when I was in Bible school. And yet Calvinism, in fact, there's a resurgence of Calvinism in today's, uh, many of today's religions, that people are not aware of it, and so they, they don't even realize it when they're being taught it. Andrew Murray uh, was a Calvinist and his books are very popular and uh, he teaches that in his material. Charles Spurgeon was a Calvinist. Cal Charles Spurgeon is, is uh, mentioned as a great evangelist and he did. He did preach to thousands of people but he was a Calvinist. And so there are things in his doctrine, his theology, that are not correct. And we need to be aware of these things. John MacArthur today, a man that's alive today in California, also has a large following and uh, has written several books, but he's also a Calvinist. And so we need to know these things and we need to be aware of them and we need to guard against being deceived by these people and not be, not uh, ignore their false teaching just because they have a large following. So as we continue to look at the book of Ezekiel, God is speaking to Ezekiel. He's preparing him. And as we are going to see up until we come to the end of chapter 11, <clears throat> that uh, this is a lengthy vision that God is giving to Ezekiel. And in our text here, several things that we see, again, the first thing that we see in verse 8 is we see the weakness of man. Uh, we are uh, fallen creatures. God created Adam and Eve without sin. God says that he created Adam in the image of God, created he man. So Adam, prior to the fall, had uh, a, a nature that we today do not fully understand. We need to develop that nature if we're saved. Uh, we can, but I don't think that, according to the Bible, I don't think that we will ever fully have that nature that Adam had prior to the fall. And so we see in verse 8, it says, And it came to pass while they were slaying them, and this is talking about the people from last week that we looked at, 
how that, whether it was the young or the old, whether it was uh, women and children, those who had rejected God were going to be destroyed. And uh, the time of waiting was over. And so here in verse 8, the slaying is taking place. And Ezekiel, it says, he was left because the six men that he had seen who were angels, they have gone about to do their work. One of them went out to mark the righteous, and the others went out to slay the people. Now, they went out in the, uh, in the, in the, in the way of the Babylonian soldiers. They were the ones that enabled them to go out and kill the people. And so here we see that Ezekiel's left, and he fell on his face, and he cried and said, Ah, Lord God. And you notice the word Lord God there again, the word God all capitalized, Jehovah God. And Lord being the, the uh, master, the authority. And then Ezekiel is pleading with God, Wilt thou destroy all the residue of Israel in the pouring out of thy fury upon Jerusalem? So Ezekiel, he's a man. He's not God, he's a man. And uh, he has a compassion, a sympathy for his fellow Jews. And he wants God to be gracious to them. One of the things that we find with ourselves as people is that we don't generally follow through with the judgment that we need to do in, amongst ourselves as people. We are weak. We, we need to be compassionate. We need to pity other people. But we also need to understand that there's a time for justice to be fulfilled. And so Ezekiel here, as a man, he would have handled this situation much different than God did. But God did not allow Ezekiel's pleading to stop him from doing what was necessary. And that's important for us to understand. We do need to pray for others. We need to pray for the lost. We need to pray for lost family members. But we need to be careful in our praying and careful in our actions that we don't interfere with God's plan. And the danger that we as people fall into at times is that we become enablers, which means that we help people that God is punishing. We try to prevent them or shelter them from the punishment that God wants them to face. And when we do that, we interfere with God's plan. And here in our text, uh, Ezekiel is crying to God, he wants God to be gracious. He said, Ah, Lord God, wilt thou destroy all the residue of Israel and thy pouring out of thy fury upon Jerusalem? And one of the things that Ezekiel didn't understand, and we often don't either, is we don't understand the impact of sin. And that's our second point. You notice there in verse 9, it says, Then said he unto me, The iniquity of the house of Israel and Judah is exceeding great, exceeding great. That's the, 
thing that we need to understand is the, the wickedness of sin. One of the reasons that I personally have such a hatred for new evangelicalism, not for the people, but for that religion, for that movement, is because my wife and I, we were involved in new evangelicalism, and I have seen personally the effects, the negative effects, the detrimental effects that new evangelicalism has on those who follow it. It was detrimental for us as a couple, and it was also very detrimental for our children. And uh, a lot of people don't recognize that they are quite content to remain in New Evangelicalism. And we need to, those of us that are saved, we need to spend much more time in the Word of God and meditating upon the Word of God and getting a better and a clearer understanding of the, the greatness of the wickedness of sin. And that's what God says to Ezekiel here. He says, the iniquity of the house of Israel and Judah is exceeding great. Exceeding great. So, <clears throat> that's something that we need to understand. If you take your Bibles and go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, we've uh, been there before, and some verses that I appreciate that are very helpful for me and I believe would be helpful for all Christians. But it says in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ, and having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. So we see here that it's important for those of us that are saved in verse 5 that we need to cast down imaginations. We need to throw away. We need to actively be involved, as it says in verse 4, we need to pull down the strongholds. New evangelicalism gets into the mind and into the heart of the individual. The easy believism, the compromise, the lack of understanding and recognition of the holiness of God, that gets right into the central being of man and it greatly interferes with what God wants us to do. We don't have to sit on, uh, in self-righteousness and look down upon other people, but we do need to understand the, the impact of sin upon our lives and how many people are affected by sin. We're all born lost in sin and we commit sin because we are sinners we don't become sinners the catholics teach that if you take that young baby and by 
the time it's eight days old, you get that baby so-called baptized, which it's not doing, but they put a little bit of water on it. They claim that that gets rid of original sin. And now that little child is innocent. And then they teach that if you take that child and you take it through the confirmation classes, and at the end you have the uh, ceremony that is held. And uh, the, I remember as a young boy, our neighbor was a Catholic. And uh, when their children, they were some of them a little older than me, one of them was about my age. I think they, if I remember right, they had one daughter and the rest were boys. And uh, I remember that they had a big celebration when that daughter uh, had her, her, finished her catechism and went and had her confirmation ceremony. And uh, they had people all over their front yard and, and uh, the girl was dressed in white and uh, lots of vehicles there, lots of people there. It was quite an exciting time for them. And uh, that, that girl had finished her catechism and now she just needed to uh, go and make sure that she went to the mass and all that stuff and maybe, maybe if, if uh, her family would pay enough after she died, she could make it through purgatory and into their supposed heaven. But the reality is that if that girl remained as a Catholic, that when she dies, if maybe she has already, I don't know, but she would end up in hell. But you see, we have to understand just how exceeding great sin is, how it harms not just the person involved in sin, but everybody else around that person. Adam when Adam was created, he was created without sin, as we mentioned already before. And the difference that Adam would have seen, the difference that Adam would have experienced in his own life after he fell, must have been quite a shock to him. From being a man who didn't know what it was to have a guilty conscience from being a man who didn't know what it was like to be a liar or to hear anybody else tell a lie, to all of a sudden being a man who had a guilty conscience, who lied, who despised God, and who, had, who witnessed his own son killing another one of his sons, that must have been quite something that Adam saw for us, we are born as sinners. It's different than with Adam. And when we look at the nation of Israel, which is Ezekiel is writing about the nation of Israel, and we see that God blessed the nation of Israel with a king by the name of David. David fought many fierce battles, and God granted him victory in every battle that he fought, except one battle that David did not win. And that battle was the sin of lust. That was an internal battle that David had within himself. And he had several wives, committed adultery with Bathsheba, and he never seemed to win that battle, even as he was dying. Because of the way that he had run his palace, they found him a young woman 
to sleep with him and keep him warm prior to his death. He didn't need that. But that was the mentality that was there, the exceeding greatness of the iniquity of even David. And then Solomon, his son, who also never won the battle of lust and uh, the nation of Israel suffered greatly because of Solomon's sin but the people never seemed to learn most of the kings in the Bible seem to have more than one wife and uh, we know that Moses dealt with divorce and remarriage we know that the Pharisees of Jesus' day, they dealt with divorce and remarriage. We know that it was a continual problem in the, amongst the Jews, and it is also amongst the Gentiles. And yet, oftentimes, we don't recognize the exceeding greatness of sin. We tend to brush it off. We tend to make light of it. But God here was going to deal with the sin of the nation of Israel in a very strong manner because he says the land is full of blood. It's full of blood. And the city full of perverseness, Jerusalem, the capital city of Israel, the place where the house of God was, the temple was still there in the time of Ezekiel, but they were not honoring God in that place, nor was the truth of God emanating from that place. And so Israel and Judah were in dire straits. And it wasn't because God hadn't given them the law, and it wasn't because God hadn't given them prophets, true prophets. But it was because the people in verse 9, it says they had this attitude the Lord hath forsaken the earth, and the Lord seeth not. That's the, the way the people were living. And why did they have that idea? Well, the Bible tells us the reason they had that idea is because they had rejected God, and they didn't understand, they didn't want to acknowledge the fact that they were being chastened by God because they had rejected him. And that's why the Assyrians had invaded the south and the north and captured the north. That's why the Babylonians were coming into the south. That's why the enemies of Israel had been attacking and taking away from their land. That's why the kings stripped the gold off the temple and gave it to the enemies of God in order to make a peace agreement. It was all because they had forsaken God. But they didn't want to accept that fact. They had false prophets that were telling them, no, you're doing good, it's all good, it's all going to be fine. Jeremiah, if you read the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah was a true prophet. And he warned in the days of Zedekiah, he warned of the judgment of God that was coming. And there was a false prophet at the same time. I can't remember his name right now. But he told them, no, 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 
what Jeremiah is t telling you is not true. You're not going to be in captivity for long. The Babylonians are going to come, and yeah, they're going to oppress us a little bit, but in a couple of years, we'll be back here again. And he, he just, and, and he's, uh, Jeremiah was eventually cast into a dungeon and sunk into the mire in that dungeon because the king was scared of the false prophets and punished Jeremiah, who was a true prophet, rather than listening to him. So it wasn't that the people didn't have the opportunity to know the truth. But they didn't want to repent. They didn't want to follow God. And yet they wanted God's blessing. And when God wasn't blessing them the way that he had in the days of David, they assumed that the Lord hath forsaken the earth. He's not here. He's gone. We're left to ourselves. We've got to figure it out for ourselves. And you know, it amazes me that even now, Four months after the latest invasion by Hamas into Israel, there are professing Christian teachers who are still not addressing the reason why God allowed Hamas to come into Israel on October the 7th and murder over a thousand people and take others hostage. Why did that happen? Why is Israel having to fight in Gaza and in Lebanon? What's going on? And why is it that even with all the fighting that's going on, the terrorists are still coming into Israel and creating problems? What's going on? And the reason is because Israel still to this day does not acknowledge the true God. And so God can't bless them. He can't provide them with the peace that he provided for David. By the time that David died, there were no enemies coming after the Jews. And so when Solomon became the king, he could spend his time on building the temple and building his own house. Seven years on the temple, 13 years on his own house. He could do that. He didn't have to send his troops out to fight off the Philistines. Because the Philistines didn't dare come into Israel because God was blessing Israel and no enemy could stand against him. And yet here, the Jews were in trouble. The Babylonians were there. And their opinion was that the Lord had forsaken the earth. The Lord seeth not. The Lord didn't know that's Jehovah God, all capitalized, he didn't know what was going on in their minds. But the problem was in their hearts. It wasn't with God. And that's the sad reality that they didn't want to recognize where the problem was. And sadly, that's the same case today for a lot of not just the Jews, but even amongst the Gentiles. There are so many today where the churches today have the same kind of problems on almost the same level as the world does. And how can that be? Christians are different. They've been made different by God. We're not perfect. We're not without sin. 
but Christians are different. And we need to be taught that we're different. And we need to live that way. And we can live that way. We can be more than conquerors through him that loved us. That's what the Bible says. And God doesn't lie. And the problem is that oftentimes we're not being taught the truth. <clears throat> and so we're wandering around in the mud when we don't have to be. But even when we're taught the truth, many times we reject the truth. We don't think it's possible. You don't understand my situation. Well, God understands every one of our situations. And God is the one who says that Christians are different. And God is the one who proved that he makes his children different. He has the, the power to make us different so that we can be a blessing to others. We can be a help to others. And here in our text, Ezekiel needed to understand that the iniquity of the house of Israel and Judah is exceeding great. Ezekiel needed to see things more from God's perspective so that he would be able to understand why God was dealing with such severity against the ungodly in his homeland. Then the third thing that we see is that the judgment was well deserved. The judgment was well deserved. It says in verse 10, As for me also, mine eye shall not spare. God was not going to apologize for what he was doing. There was no reason for him to apologize. There was no reason for him to, to restrain himself from the punishment, the judgment that he was bringing upon Israel and Judah. Because as we mentioned already, he had given them the prophets. He had given them the law. They had all that they needed to know how to walk in truth. Back in the book of Deuteronomy, God had told the nation of Israel that when they would enter into their land and when he would give them a king, they were supposed to, the king was to write himself a copy of the law. He wasn't supposed to take the copy that his father had. He was to copy out a copy of the law for himself. And one of the things that we understand is that there are a couple of ways that we learn things. We learn things by reading them. And we help to learn things when we write them out. When you write out what you're reading, your mind is active in, in helping you to remember the things that you're writing. So it's one of the ways that we learn is by writing things out. And so God had said to them that the king was to write himself a copy of the law. So when Solomon became the king... He wasn't supposed to take David's copy of the law and just read that. He was to take the law and write his own copy of the law. And when Solomon's son Rehoboam became the king, he was supposed to do the same thing. And so on down the line. They, each king was to write himself a copy of the law. And if the king's 
would follow the law, if they would believe in the God of the law and follow the law, they would spare themselves a lot of grief. And that went all the way down to the time of Ezekiel. If Zedekiah would have written himself a copy of the law, and if he would have listened to Jeremiah's counsel that was given to him, he would never have had to face his sons being butchered in front of him and then his own eyes being poked out and then taken off to Babylon as a blind man, dying as a blind man with the memory of his sons being destroyed as the last thing that he saw. So here in verse 10, God says, And as for me also, mine eyes shall not spare, neither will I have pity, but I will recompense their way upon their head. God was going to pay them back according to what they had done. It was, they had earned what they were getting. God had been very gracious. When you think of the number of years that God had given the nation of Israel and Judah, the number of years that he had put up with their idolatry and their paganism that they were so steeped in, and now it was time for that to be judged. It didn't end with this but it was definitely God showed them that this is not the way to live this is not the way that he expected them this is not the way that he had trained them this is not what his word had stated and so as the Jews had chosen to think that God was not around that he didn't see what was going on God says, mine eyes shall not spare, neither will I have pity. Remember in verse 8 that Ezekiel cried to God. Ezekiel couldn't handle what he was seeing, what he knew what was going on in Jerusalem. The slaughter that was taking place was more than Ezekiel could handle. But God says, mine eyes shall not spare, neither will I have pity, but I will recompense their way upon their head. God was going to give them what they had asked for. If you go in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 6, Galatians chapter 6, <clears throat> In verse 7, it says there, Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. You see, one of the things that we should understand if we're saved is that we are not going to necessarily see the results that we want to see immediately. I've been preaching now for, I believe it's around 30 years. 
I've preached to a lot of people. And, uh, you know, I have not seen a lot of people get saved through my preaching. I don't know if others have been that I don't know about. I don't know that. But the, really, for the amount of effort that I have put into studying and so on, I haven't seen a lot of results. But I'm not discouraged by that because the results are not in my hand. My responsibility is to preach the word of God and to teach the word of God. That's my responsibility. And so it's important for me to understand that I should not get weary, be weary in well-doing. But it's also important for all of us to understand that we are not going to mock God. If we think that we can get away with living a compromised life as Christians, it's not going to work. If we reap to the flesh, we're going to sow to the flesh. Or if we sow to the flesh, we're going to reap to the flesh. So if we entertain ungodly practices, we can expect ungodly results. That's the reality. And so it's important for us to understand that. So that's why in our household we've made changes over the years. We've done things differently, things that we should have learned sooner and didn't, things that we weren't taught, but we could have taken more, been, I could have been more diligent as the husband and father. But God has shown me some things that have been helpful for us and things that can be helpful for others as well as we live out our lives and try to help other people to follow God's way and to know his blessing. And so that's why, yes, there are things in my past that I regret doing, um, but there are things that I can tell people now that if you avoid those things, it will help you. I've learned some things and it's important to pass them on so that others can, can avoid some of the failures that we have faced or that I have faced by not making wise choices. And so God is telling Ezekiel here that the judgment that he was giving, I will recompense their way upon their head. So God was going to give them what they had asked for. They wanted to follow idols. They wanted to have the fruit of what idolatry does. And now they were getting it, death. That's what happens when you follow false religion. You get death. That's what's happening in Israel today. As they are facing wars on both ends of their country, and as the Iran is heavily involved in those wars, and as the Houthis are attacking any ships that they think are connected with Israel in the Mediterranean and the Red Sea. And uh, why is Israel struggling? Well, because they don't want to know the true God. They're not interested. And in verse 11, it says, And behold, the man clothed with linen which had the inkhorn by his side 
reported the matter, saying, I have done as thou hast commanded me. So here we see this servant of God, this angel, who was told to go and mark those people in their foreheads, those people who feared God, those people who trusted in God. They were marked, not by the Antichrist here, but marked by God. Why were they marked? Because they were going to be spared the slaughter that the Babylonians were going to bring. Daniel, his three friends, Ezekiel, and a few others were not told who they all are. Jeremiah would have been one of them because Jeremiah was alive at the same time. Jeremiah remained in Judah and he was told to stay there by the king of Babylon. He, the king of Babylon set up a puppet king and that king was murdered and then another man was, took the place of leader and dragged Jeremiah into Egypt. The Babylonians came into Egypt, killed a bunch of the Jews in Egypt and brought them back but Jeremiah was spared. Yes, he was dragged into Egypt, but it wasn't because that's what he wanted, and it wasn't because that's the counsel that he gave to the people. He didn't give them that counsel. And Nebuchadnezzar understood that Jeremiah was not the problem. Unlike our prime minister, who thinks that true Christians are a problem for him, Nebuchadnezzar, who was an ungodly man, Nebuchadnezzar understood that Jeremiah was not the problem. He understood that if the people would have listened to Jeremiah, Nebuchadnezzar wouldn't have had the problems that he had with them. Because God told Jeremiah to tell the people to surrender to the Babylonians. They were going to go into captivity. They were going to be judged. And it would have been much easier on Nebuchadnezzar and his armies if the people of Judah would have listened to Jeremiah. So God has a way of being able to protect his people in the midst of a dangerous time. It was not a very safe time when the Babylonians came into Jerusalem. They came to destroy. And yet Jeremiah was safe. So was Ezekiel. So was Daniel. So were his three friends. They were safe. Yes, Ezekiel was taken captive. So was Daniel and his three friends. But they were safe. Ezekiel, as we've already seen, he had a house that he could live in. In captivity. Daniel was raised into a high position in the Babylonian government. So were his three friends. Yes, they faced some challenges, but that fiery furnace couldn't touch them. Those lions couldn't touch Daniel. They were safe because they trusted in God. And that's the important thing for us today as well as we face the the wrath of a wicked government system in Canada and as we see our governments with the latest bill that they have the online harms bill that they have just introduced in parliament 
which they claim is designed to protect children from pedophile type of men, and uh, that's what they're claiming, but that bill is designed to stop what our government calls hate speech. What is hate speech? In the eyes of the government, to speak out against the government is hate speech. To warn sodomites, you know that if that bill passes as it is currently written, they say that even parents, our public education system right now is designed to brainwash children into thinking that boys should be girls, or maybe they should be a little bit of both, and girls should be boys or maybe a little bit of both, that they should be kind of fluid in who they are, and if the parents dare to tell their children, no, you were born as a boy and you were born as a girl, that can be classified as hate speech because the public school system says that they're fluid. They need to be able to change as who they are and they need to choose their own pronouns. And the parents have no right to interfere with that. They need to accept whatever the teacher tells the child about that child. That's the design behind this bill that is currently being presented in Parliament. Now, I haven't heard any real opposition to that from the opposition parties. They're all in this together. Mr. Polivier has said a few things about hate speech and he says, yeah, hate speech to our prime minister is anything that he doesn't like is hate speech. Well, he's right on that. But I haven't seen him really opposing this thing, nor have any of the other uh, people in parliament and the other parties. So we are living in a time when it's going to become much more of a challenge. It could become much more of a challenge for those of us that are Christians to live the Christian life. But the solution is not for us to go and hide in a corner somewhere and say, well, I'm just not going to say anything. I'm just going to be quiet because I don't want to cause trouble. That's not the solution. The solution is to be bold and faithful to God and understand that God is able to protect us in the midst of a very wicked society. He's done it in the past, and he can do it today. Yes, Peter and John were whipped, and they were imprisoned. Now, unless our government changes, it's not likely they're going to whip us but they can put us in prison. We also know that the government can also bankrupt us. They can take away our money, our houses. They can take it all away. Even though we sign on the dotted line and we have a title for a property, the government can walk in and say, you owe us that, we're taking it away, and there's nothing we can do about it. You can scream and holler, you can protest all you want, but there's really nothing you can do if the government says we're taking that they're going to take it but we can still be protected you see those things are just material things 
And what we need to understand is what needs to be protected is our souls. And if we're saved, we have eternal life. And those who want to defy God and reject him, they're going to the lake of fire. They're going to hell first and then the lake of fire. So we need to keep things in perspective and understand that, yes, things could get challenging for us in these last days in which we're living. But Ezekiel was protected by God, and so were others in Israel, in Judah, because God is able to look after his own. And he will give us peace in our hearts and joy in our hearts in the midst of a difficult situation. Peter, or Paul and Silas were praising God in stocks in prison at midnight. That's not an easy thing to do. That's not a normal thing to do. But if we follow God faithfully, he will prepare us for whatever we're going to face. But what we need to do is to know him and to serve him faithfully and glorify him in our words and actions. So if you're listening today and you're not saved, you may say, well, I don't want to face trouble. I don't want to go to jail. I don't want to have the government come and take my money away. I'm just going to live my life the way I am. Well, yeah, you can do that. But you need to stop and think about eternity. And even for children, you need to stop and think about eternity. Where are you going to go when you die? Where is it going to go? Where are you going to end up? And the Bible is clear. Without the Lord, the only place is hell. And with the Lord, the only place is heaven. So choose wisely. And know God's peace and blessing and serve him. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we're thankful that we have thy word. Thankful that Ezekiel was being prepared for a difficult task. He was witnessing some very difficult things. Things that he as a person found very difficult to take. But he needed to understand that the wickedness that was abounding in Jerusalem and Judah had to be addressed and we're thankful that God that thou didst not expect Ezekiel to address that he didn't have to go out there and kill the people that was not his duty his duty was to speak the truth to warn the people of the danger of defying the true God we're thankful today as well that we're not told to go out and destroy people we're told to preach the truth if we're saved we're told to live to glorify the true God and we can do that and we're thankful that we have a God who is able to protect us and able to direct us so that we can be a help to others we pray that that would be the case for each one that's saved that we could help others to know the truth in these days of grace. 
May thy will be accomplished, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.